Hi, I'm Miranda Wright with HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com. Today we come to a conclusion on our study of the seven spirits of God as mentioned in the book of Revelations and listed out in the book of Isaiah chapter 11. Starting from the bottom and working our way up to the top, we've come to he which is the first and the last, the spirit of the Lord. And of course, the church that we correlate this to in the seven churches in the book of Revelations is the first one mentioned, the church of Ephesus. In Revelations chapter 2 verse 1, we read this, unto the angel of the church of Ephesus, write, these things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. This is a very important description of Jesus because that it says that he is the one in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. We'll come back to this in just a minute. It says that he, Jesus, of whom this description is given, he says, I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience and how thou canst not bear them which are evil and how thou hast tried them which say that they are apostles and are not and has found them liars and has borne and has patience and for my name's sake has labored and has not fainted nevertheless i have somewhat against thee because that thou hast left thy first love remember therefore from whence thou art fallen and repent and do the first work or else i will come unto thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick out of his place except that thou repent. But this dost thou have, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. This is the first church that's mentioned in the book of Revelations, and they did many wonderful things. There's a lot going for them because that they originally had things right, but where they started to get off track was when they lost sight of who their first love was, of where all these other attributes of God and his Holy Spirit came from. They forsook that time with him. They stopped letting him be king of their heart and their life and lead and guide and provide all of these other things that were needed. This wisdom, this counsel, their doctrine, their strength. They stopped having a fear and a reverence and an understanding of the consequences of straying from him. They stopped loving him with all of their heart, soul, mind, and strength, and they let other things get in the way and began to distract and choke out, just like the parable of the sower, where the seed had been planted, the tree had come up, it had become fruitful. But then the thorns came up and choked it out, the cares of this life, the deceitfulness of riches, all of the distractions that caused this once fruitful tree to stop producing and dry up and die, so that Jesus says in another parable that that which does not abide dries up and is cut off and cast into the fire. Jesus Christ was not the center of their life anymore. Their wisdom, their faith, their counsel, their guidance, their understanding, their knowledge, their source of strength and wisdom. You see, in the Jewish temple, there was a candlestick, not unlike the one that is mentioned in this passage. It is a seven-flamed candlestick. It's actually an oil lamp. 
There's one main stem of it right down the center. The one in the midst represents the spirit of the Lord. And out of this main one, these other six come forth. Each of them representing one of the spirits mentioned in this passage in the book of Isaiah in chapter 11. So that we understand that all of these other attributes, these characteristics of the Holy Spirit, they all come from Jesus. The Spirit of the Lord is the one in the midst of them. And in the original candelabra in the temple, it was filled with oil and the oil would come up, the anointing Jesus, the Christ. Christ means the anointed one, the anointing oil, the oil of the Holy Spirit would flow up through that center stalk and then come out through all the other branches so that all seven branches were lit ablaze and the fire would burn bright and it had to be trimmed at least twice a day. This relates to the parable that Jesus gave about watching and waiting and making sure that your lamp stays trimmed until the final day, the Lord's returning or your departing from this earth, whichever comes first. He said, make sure your lamp stays trimmed. Don't let the oil run out of it. Don't let your anointing dry up. Stay connected to the source of the anointing, which is Christ. Abide, which means remain, connected. So that you can draw from that main vein the source of the Holy Spirit. How do you abide? How do you stay connected? How do you continue to trim that lamp every day? My friend, it is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But I bring you a little revelation. The baptism, the true baptism by definition and by biblical description is not a one-time event. Yes, there is a first time for it, but it is a constant and daily infilling. That's why Jesus gave the warning and the parable not to let the oil run out, to constantly refill it. That's why he said to continue to abide lest you dry up. And be cut off from it. What happened to the churches in the book of Revelation is that they didn't maintain the oil in their lamp. They began to stray from their first love and then they began to let all these other things, these counterfeits of the power of that Holy Spirit step in to the void that they had created by the absence of the fire of God in their church and in their life. My friend, make time, give him priority. Let the oil flow unhindered and the fire burn unquenched. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Let him be king, be your everything. Give him lordship. You see, the word baptism, it means a submerging, but not just a quick submerging. It's a submerging and a leaving in the presence until you are saturated and changed by it. It's sort of like a brine. When you make a salty brine and you drop something in it, like a cucumber, you leave it in the presence of the brine until it is so saturated that it is changed by it and it becomes a pickle and then it becomes a carrier of that presence. You can at that point take it out of it and it's still carrying it. It is changed. It's something different. It's like a ship that's sunk into the ocean. The ship is in the water and the water is in the ship, but it's not just inside of it. It's completely saturated through it to where it has become part of it. It's different than what it was before. You take it out apart from the water too long and it's going to dry up. You better spend some time with the Lord. You've been out of the brine too long. You've lost your saltiness. And if you've got no more savor, 
then what good are you but to be cast away? You're no different than the world, all of the others around you. My friend, get back in his presence again. Ask for forgiveness. Come back to the simple gospel message of Jesus. It's not that complicated. Do exactly what he said to this church in the book of Revelations. He said, go back to the first thing. It's time for a rededication. It's time to come back to the realization that hell is real. There is a judgment for sin, for unbelief and faithlessness, for trying to do things in your own strength and wisdom, that you do need redemption from it. To face the fearful reality that you had it but lost it, or you never had it and you need it. Whatever the case, the fear of the Lord begins the journey toward wisdom and redemption. Yes, fear in the form of reverence, but more than that, in the fear of understanding that there are consequences. It's a higher price than you want to pay. In fact, it's a price you cannot pay. But Jesus was willing to pay it for you. Get a revelation of the destination and take it seriously enough to start questioning where you will end up for eternity. Pick up your Bible and read it. Get some knowledge in you. Get some discernment. See what is truly right and wrong, not what you've been told or what you've believed or what your flesh wants or what your family said or what doctrines of demons has put in your head. Open the Bible and read it. Get some real knowledge and discernment. Get the teachings of Jesus and choose to believe it. Even if you don't fully understand it, even if you know you don't have the strength in and of yourself to walk in it. Ask him for it. Believe in his faithfulness. Say, God, I need your strength. I need the spirit of might to come upon me. I need to believe that you are faithful and you are able. That you are coming again, Jesus. You are coming to judge the quick and the dead. And you have made a way for me to stand before you in victory and boldness. I don't understand it in this moment. But God, I know that you have the strength to save me. From any enemy. Please give me counsel. Help me to know what it is that I need to do. To be saved by you. That the spirit of counsel might come upon you and teach you. That you have to walk in his righteousness. That you have to be holy as he is holy. That you have to be obedient to his teachings. That you have to learn to seek him. That you need to pray. And ask him for his instructions. In righteousness, how do I get in right standing? Oh God, give me your counsel. Of which point he will then tell you. Just as he did to Nicodemus, you must be born again. It's as simple as this. You have to give up that old spirit. The one you've been listening to and following is leading. You have to choose to let it go, to die. To release that old ghost and that old life. Everything that you were has to be crucified. And with that person, every sin that it ever committed will be buried with Jesus. But also, every sin ever committed to it, therefore must you choose forgiveness. You will be forgiven, but what you are given, you must freely give. You must choose to forgive. 
everyone that ever hurt you because you have to really believe that the person that you were is dead. You surrender. You let it go. You say, Jesus, wash me with your blood and forgive me. You confess your sins. You say, I did this and I'm sorry. It was wrong according to your word. And I don't want to do it anymore. I repent of it. I don't know how, but I know that you will give me understanding. I know that you will give me the power and the grace to overcome. I have the faith to say I want to be born again. Change me. Give me your spirit. Cause me to walk in your statutes. Open the eyes of my understanding. Teach me who you are. Let me feel you and see the way you work in the earth. I want to be a new creature in Christ. Regenerate it. I believe right now that you can do it. I don't have to understand. I just surrender and let you. And in that, he releases the grace and the overcoming power. And inside you know that you are saved. The eyes of your understanding begin to be opened and you start to see things very different, more clearly. You feel the victory, the sonship, the overcoming power over the enemy, Jesus, as the fulfillment of all the messianic prophecies. You know that he is who he says he is and that every word spoken of God from the beginning to this moment have come to fruition in this man, Jesus. And you believe, you understand that he is the completeness of everything we ever needed. And in this revelation, do we begin to finally move in wisdom, right actions, and strategies in the war through the assurance that this world is not my home. I'm destined and pressing on for a better one to come making decisions for a better eternity and not for the temporary. Believing and speaking the preaching of the resurrection of the dead and the rewards that are coming for those who believe and endure that we might fear losing them and move in greater wisdom in every future decision. And in doing this, do we then receive the Spirit of the Lord Abiding communion with Jesus' Holy Spirit that equips us, breathes life, and ignites all of these other things in us and causes them to all work together unto the fullness of what he has for us and how he wants us to bring these truths to those around us. He makes us a witness as we tell others of this great man Jesus. It's about him. Nothing more, nothing less. Don't make it too complicated. If we stray from him and get distracted, we'll dry up the oil, we'll burn out, and all these other spirits will start to move in. Don't let your house be emptied, my friend. Fill it up with the Holy Spirit. If you let offense get in, it will grieve the Holy Spirit. If you choose to walk in sin, and resist the Holy Spirit, you will grieve him, you will leave the house empty, and counterfeits of this spirit will move in. It won't be the real thing, but Jesus, he'll still be knocking at the door of your heart saying, let me in, I love you, make me your first love again. 
If you preach any other source of deliverance or salvation, if you cause men to look at you and not him, you will grieve the Holy Spirit. They'll have no part in it. Oh, but if you just believe this simple gospel message, then he will fill you. He will be with you. He will lead, guide, and direct you. He will be your rear guard. He will surround you. He will confound the enemy that tries to defeat you. He will raise you up and put your feet upon a firm foundation. He will cause your enemies to flee before you seven ways. He will give you the strength to endure the trials and tribulations that rise up against you. He will make you a witness to every tribe, tongue, and nation. He will use you to complete his mission in the earth through you. He will give you a commission. The same one that was given unto him by this self-same spirit. In Isaiah chapter 61 verse 1 we read this, that the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because that the spirit hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captive. My friend, you want to bind and you want to loose? This is what you do. He said that the spirit of the Lord will move upon you and through you. You cannot do it in and of yourself, but him in his fullness, living on the inside. When you give him kingship and surrender and let him use you, he will bind the brokenhearted and he will set the captive free. He will loose those who are bound in captivity the opening of the prisons to them that are bound the opening of blind eyes to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and also the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all those that mourn to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion to give unto them beauty for ashes and the oil of joy For their mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called the trees of righteousness, that which produces the good fruits, the fruits of his spirit. That's why he said the only evidence of if you have this root, the root of these seven spirits, will be if you produce the nine fruits of that spirit love joy peace gentleness kindness patience temperance faithfulness self-control the very character of jesus if his spirit is moving and breathing and living through you to complete his mission in the earth you're going to do what he would do you're going to say what he would say you're going to sound like he would sound Let him lead you. Let him use you. And when you fail to do what he wants you to stop, go back to the prayer closet and bring it back to the doctrine of Jesus. You'll be called trees of righteousness, the plantings of the Lord, that he might be glorified. And they that do this, that have this spirit, the spirit of the Lord, they shall build the old waste. They shall raise up the former desolations. They shall repair the waste cities, the desolations of many generations. They are the laborers. 
the repairers of breaches. They are the ones who build the walls of righteousness that the enemy has torn down. The Spirit of the Lord comes in when you are truly a bride again, when you are abiding, obeying, submitting, letting Him lead you, when you are humble, when you are repented. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17, we read this, Now the Lord is that Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty or freedom. Because whom the Son sets free is free indeed. But we all, with open faces, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. If you have walked in the true doctrine of Christ and received the fullness of His Holy Spirit, you will be changed into the likeness of His image. You will exhibit His characteristics. That's why Jesus said, the fruits are the only evidence. Because it comes to the simplicity of this, my friend, that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the Lord, is the Spirit of Jesus Christ Himself. That's why it could not be given to us until He died to release it. By His blood sacrificed the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies. The Lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world to take our sins away could our temple, our bodies, be cleansed? You see, my friend, the Bible says that when God told Moses how to make the tabernacle, it was a replica of the true temple in heaven. But yet, since the fall of man, could no man enter into it to bring a sacrifice to make atonement and to ask for forgiveness because that no sin can enter into heaven to the presence of the Lord God Almighty. So the devil thought he won. There was no way for us to get redemption until the man Jesus came, the only one who ever lived a life without sin, total obedience and submission to the will of the Lord God Almighty. And then the devil made a mistake. He killed him. That was a violation of the law in and of itself because without sin there should have been no death. That was his first mistake, but it's more than that. Because now there is a man who is dead without sin who can now enter into the real mercy seat, the throne room of heaven. Because you see in the Old Testament, the high priest, he would take the sacrifice, the lamb that was slain, he would take the blood into the Holy of Holies and sprinkle it on the mercy seat and make atonement for the people. But it was only a type and shadow, a prophetic proclamation of what would happen one day when God would make a way, when Jesus would enter in, that man who died without sin, to the real mercy seat, the throne of God in heaven, with the blood of a sacrifice shed for you and me, his own blood, and he the high priest. He went before the throne of God that day and made atonement for us, that through his blood we might be cleansed of our sin if we humble ourselves and confess it to him, throw ourselves at his mercy and ask for forgiveness. And once being cleansed, our bodies now a purified temple, we could then receive his spirit. And when we receive his spirit, we have the fullness. We have everything that is needed 
We just have to learn to submit to its leading completely because it won't stay where it's not given kingship. You see, this is why Jesus told them not to be upset that he would have to die. He said, because if I die, then the Holy Spirit can come unto you. But if I don't, he won't. I have to go to the Father first. It was his spirit. It was Jesus's blood that made the atonement for us. And then he sends his own spirit back to indwell us. And then by his spirit, do we have access to all of these other things, the wisdom, the counsel, the understanding, the strength, the fruits, the gifts, everything. It's Jesus and him only. He is all you needed. Galatians chapter 4 verse 4, we read this, But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because you are sons, God hath sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir, of God through Christ Jesus. This message was brought to you by HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com.